What you doing? Designing my new 2021 Nissan Kicks Online in the Kicks Color Studio. I give each a special name. This one's electric blue, orange, red, white. I call it the gumball machine. You think it's me? I feel like you're more of a red velvet guy. Limitless possibilities. With over 100 million available color combinations and Bose Personal Plus system. In the boldly new 2021 Nissan Kicks. Bose is the registered trademark of the Bose Corporation. Color combinations include interior and exterior colors. Customization is an available feature subject to availability at participating Nissan dealer. See dealer for details. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. This episode was sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to another episode of RMV. Hey guys, I hope you're all doing great. And today we are here with Dr. Rebecca Keith, the founder of One World Montessori School. And I actually attended this school from primary all the way to sixth grade. Yeah, and I'm really excited to talk to her. And yeah, so we have, we have Rebecca here with us to talk about her life as a Montessorian and learn more about the Montessori philosophy and talk about the impact of the COVID um, on the school. So we wanted to start off by asking about your experience as a guide. So how long have you been a guide? Uh, let's see, since 1970, 1973. Wow, wow. that's it's been a while. <laughs> a lot, of, it's been a while, yeah. Yeah, so why are you called a guide rather than a teacher? Okay, well, initially Montessori used the word directress or that was how it was translated into English from the Italian and uh, the idea is, is when you think of a teacher you think of somebody who has a, an agenda you know has, has uh, something specific that they're planning on teaching and teaching to someone whereas the, the idea of a directress or a guide is there really just just to help each individual to direct their energy towards that which is most important to them, not what that which they're interested in. So it's 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 uh, more the, the the idea of a coach or a helper that's there to to help maneuver through an environment so that you can use the environment to the best of your ability, as opposed to somebody who already has a set agenda for what's going to happen. So we're much more there to help each each individual child to move in the direction that they need to at that particular moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> does that does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I had another question. So you've been at World One One World for 40 plus year. So what are some of the different roles you've played and which one was your favorite? Oh my goodness. Well I I, I during the time that I've been there, the the I've I've 
was always a, a, a guide within the classroom as well as the, the founder and the head of school. So um, I think it's, it's, it's always been uh, both exciting and challenging to have mm -hmm. to wear a lot of hats and, and in that in that sense it can be overwhelming at times but because there's always so much going on it's 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 also fun because mm -hmm. you you always have something new and and different to go on but my favorite thing is to be with the kids mm -hmm. I mean I I think I, I I started the school just because I wanted to have a school that would would be specifically totally focused on what was best for the children and finding yeah. it difficult to find an environment that I could move into that would do that mm -hmm. you know I, I kind of ended up being in charge of it but that was not that was not my that was not my goal my goal was was to, to have an environment that would be totally focused centered on the kids mm -hmm. so what made you choose uh, the profession. Why did you want to become a guide? Oh well, that's that's a really good that's a good question. Um, I didn't know anything about Montessori, and I, frankly, I never wanted to be a teacher. I always thought that you know, those who could did, and those who couldn't taught. So I, you know, I, I it was that was not what I thought of as 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 uh, an adolescent as and a young adult. That that was not my goal to be a, a teacher, but. Um, my, uh, after my son was born, um, I became, I realized that there really was something more that he was going to need than just to be with me. I, I had thought, well, my dad is a child psychiatrist. My mom was a teacher. So I thought, well, I, you know, I can probably handle this <laughs> being, being a mom thing. And um, I remember he must have been about oh, 20 months old and he was sitting on my lap. And I was reading to him and, you know, I can't remember what the, what the book was about, but I was reading to him and, um, you know, talking about the, the pictures of the things on the pages and whatnot. And he said, no, 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 no. And he pointed down at the number in the corner of the book and said, what's that? And I thought, oh dear. So this is going to be a math engineering person. <laughs> and this is something I'm not sure that I'm really going to be ready for all on my own. So I went and started investigating what was available in preschools at the time. So this was back in 1972. And um, the only thing that I found that would look like it was going to do anything at all for him was a Montessori school. And... Um, he started going to school and the, the people in the school started saying, oh, gee, you're just a natural at this. You really ought to get involved. And so I thought, well, I'll go investigate. And uh, through, through looking at different training centers, I found Ursula Thrush, who became my mentor and actually the first person that, you know, the, the first school that I, where I was a head teacher was, was her school, Maria Montessori School of the Golden Gate. Anyway, so I found Ursula and um, I never looked back. It just became something that the, the philosophy just resonated with me. And uh, I, it, took, it took over my life. <laughs> so that's what, I, what I've done ever since. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your favorite thing about working with kids? Well, 
I guess that first of all, I when when you in a in a Montessori environment, you're there to serve the inner child. Mm -hmm. That's that's your purpose. And um, in order to do that, you have to be able to to center yourself and and then remove yourself in a sense from from the equation, so that that individual that particular individual has the opportunity to to blossom forth. And um, when you're in that in when you're in that state, uh, that state of, of service and awareness, and you're you're in the moment, and that's such a wonderful place to be. And so, it's uh, it's a it's a gift in a sense. You give a gift to the child by by putting yourself in that state and. The child gives you a gift by giving you a reason to be there. And so it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful symbiotic relationship that, um, so at the end of the day, I mean, you, you, you're tired at the end of the day, but you feel really as if you've, you've, you've fulfilled a function, served a purpose that was towards the greater good. And so that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful state to be in, so. I, that's what I miss. That's what I, that's what I miss most now with, uh, you know, being mm -hmm. separated from everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it must have been really, like, it must have been incredible, like, your journey so far as, like, a teacher. So, my next question is, um, so, being a teacher, like, it has its own struggles and hardships, and because of the pandemic, um, you know, a lot of jobs have changed, and, like, it's, teachers are, like, it's kind of hard, you know, from doing it at home like teaching kids through zoom and stuff um so my question was what are some challenges you have faced and how do you manage special needs for children well again i'm not in the classroom anymore so i haven't yeah. actually had to 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 deal with that personally I, I i speak with my teachers on a daily basis and um during the the initial lockdown when, when everybody was doing distance learning, it was incredibly challenging. These are very young children and they need to learn by doing, they need to move. They, they need to be able to, to interact in a three-dimensional way with their environment. That's part of how they learn. They're, the hand is really connected with the brain and, and action is a sort of really important part of interacting with the environment. So it was incredibly challenging. And I, th I think that, uh, no matter how well the the teachers uh, compensated for mm -hmm. the situation, they were not able to bring you know the the full richness of the Montessori environment. So it, you know it the the whole uh, being in a, a a virtual educational situation was was very difficult for everyone. Some of the kids, you know, couldn't couldn't focus sufficiently to to be able to, you know, interact for any length of time on the computer. You know, the the screen is 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 the opposite of what we want for for the kids. I mean, part of what our our guidelines for parents is to keep the kids away from screens and and to to allow them to really interact with with the the natural world and with the environment. In a, in a physical way, so it it was it was I think especially challenging for Montessori, mm -hmm. and even now back in the classroom, wearing masks, for instance. I mean, during 
when you talk about the three to six year old, for instance, mm -hmm. which is the, the age of the children that um, we work with in, in the primary, um, they're still in the process of acquiring language. And one of the major things they need to do is watch your, watch your mouth. But when everybody's wearing a mask, they can't see. Mm -hmm. So, so um, especially kids that have some deficits, as you were discussing special needs, special needs kids who have, 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 have language issues are especially challenged because they don't have the opportunity to see the movement of the lips. Mm -hmm. So that, that they're, they're just a, a lot of challenges. And Montessori with the idea of, of freely interacting and spontaneously, spontaneous, spontaneous activity within education. To do that when you have to remember to socially distance and always wash your hands and wear your mask, all of those things interfere. So it, it, it makes it especially challenging. Nonetheless, the children are so glad to be back mm -hmm, yeah. in the environment with, with one another. And the, and the teachers are really glad to be mm -hmm. there you know, despite the, 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 the challenges of, of uh, you know, sanitizing things and keeping people distant and not, uh, you know, not being able to have as many kids in the class and all, all of those COVID restriction yeah. issues yeah. come up. Yeah, it's I'm very sure stressful. You, you guys are probably experiencing that in, in, yeah. in your education situation as well. So everybody, everybody is coping as best as they can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my mom. Yeah, I know how stressed my mom was, especially during the beginning of the quarantine, how she had to do online school. And like, it's still very stressful for her because of all the restrictions and stuff. So, and it's really amazing how the teachers are working together and how the kids, you know, have to follow these, you know, tough guidelines because, you know, they're, they're young children, you know, so it's really hard on them too. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's this is going to be something, you know, that we, we, we've all lived through, an historical time that will, you know, that will be remembered for centuries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, a, a huge challenge for, mm -hmm. the, for the whole world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so another challenge is that, you know, teacher uh, guides can face is um, parents, you know, sometimes parents can be more challenging than kids. So you must be an expert with dealing with them. So what are some tricks? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think the, the most important thing is, is to, to remember that um, we may be the, the, the first adult outside of the, the family configuration to interact in a meaningful way with this child. Mm -hmm. And the child is the most important thing in the world mm -hmm. to a parent. I mean, you know, this is, is their baby, right? So to, to, to remember and honor that relationship and um, make, it, make it really clear that, that, your goal is, that your goals are the same, that we all want the very best for this child. And what you're trying to do is, is to share your experience and expertise so that we can do that in as successful a manner as possible. And one of the things with, especially with, with young children is consistency is, is such, so important. They get really confused if, if uh, things change too frequently and if people approach them from too many different angles. So that, you know, the, our, our goal is to work consistently to uh, help the child develop in, in an optimal manner. And, you know, so that we're working on this together mm -hmm. 
and I think that 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 helps with whatever communications that you have to have, and to and you know just to remember that that everyone everyone has the child's best interest at heart. We may we may approach it in different ways because we have different experience, but if we can all focus on on our end goal, then then we can be successful. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. So what? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go, go. I was going. I was going to go to the next topic, so you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say. So you talked about being a guide. So what? What is the most memorable moment about being a guide? Oh my! <laughs> I don't know if I could think that there there's any one moment um, that would be most memorable. But um, I guess I I have a story that I can tell that uh, kind of illustrates what's a little bit different yeah. between uh, uh, being, a, being a teacher in an environment mm -hmm. and, and being a guide in a Montessori mm -hmm. situation. Um, this was years and years ago. I had a, 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 a very challenging child in, in, in my class. And um, he was, uh, he was disturbed for a variety of reasons, but one of the things that he manifested because of what was going on with him emotionally is he would sometimes hurt our animals. Mm -hmm. You know, because in a Montessori mm -hmm. class, we try to have a, an example of each 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 kind of vertebrate in the in the environment, and yeah. um, and part of what the children do is they they learn how to care for the animals, what they need in their environment, and that kind of thing. And um, so it was important that the children were able to interact with the animals. But when we'll call this little boy Matthew, when when Matthew uh, would would get um, angry or upset, he would sometimes mistreat the animals. Mm -hmm. And we found ourselves in in a really difficult situation. And so what 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 I did is is I brought the the issue to the class as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we were sitting in circles and, and we, we discussed what was going on, you know, and that, that Matthew was, was, was having problems and he was upset and what was, because he couldn't control himself when he, when he was upset, that he was hurting the animals and, you know, we had brought the animals into the environment. So it was our responsibility to make sure that they were well, well cared for. And if they couldn't be well cared for, then I'd have to remove the animals from the environment because it, it, it was not, that wasn't okay. But I didn't want to take the animals away from the environment because I wanted everybody to have the opportunity to interact with them. And I didn't know what to do. And, and mm -hmm. you know, did they have any suggestions? And um, one, of, one, of, one of the kids said, well, Maybe what we need to do is we need to have like a, a an electric eye. This was a long time ago, but the, the, you know that we but where the, it would let you know like how it makes the doors open and close when you come near them, and that that would that would uh, signal that something was going on with mm -hmm. Matthew, and it, it could help us make sure that nothing happened. And um, then then another one said, well. We probably couldn't do that, but we could all be like the electric eye. We could all keep our eyes on on Matthew. And if we saw that something was, you know, he was a 
coming near the the, the animals and we're going to do something to harm them that you know we could let him know that that was not okay and help him stop to do that mm -hmm. and i just thought how wise how wise of these children, you know, they didn't, they didn't, no one said, oh, well, we should kick Matthew out of the class or, you know, yeah. get rid of the, I mean, you know, they, they, they looked at the situation and figured out a way. And so they all, they all agreed that they would be the electric eyes <laughs> in the room <laughs> and, make, and make sure that, that, you know, they reminded Matthew and Matthew you know, agreed that, you know, this would, this would help him because he didn't want to hurt the animals. It was, you know, he just get, would get upset and forget. And not yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Incredible. But I think, yeah. you know, just the, 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 the innate wisdom of the, the, the children is, is what I am constantly amazed by and, and thrilled by. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to, uh, we want to talk about more about Montessori. So Montessori was um, found, it was founded by Maria Montessori. So can you talk more about her and who she was for those who don't know? Sure. Uh, okay. Maria Montessori was, from the best of our knowledge, the, the first woman in Italy to become a physician. Um, she was born in, in the late 1800s and um was always, you know, a groundbreaking kind of individual. Just in in, in her own life, she was she wanted to pursue a, a, a mathematics, and of course, at, at that time, girls weren't taught mathematics, and so she had to go to the boys' school. And she had to convince her dad to let her go to the boys' school, and um, be, becoming a physician was a was a huge challenge at that time, because um, they they wouldn't. You know, part of what uh, learning about anatomy involved working on cadavers, and they wouldn't let a woman look at a naked body at the same in the same space at the same time that men did. So she had to do all of her uh, anatomy work alone in the morgue. You know? So I mean, there, there were just a huge number of, of challenges to do that. But once she became a physician, what really what she was fascinated with was, was the process of learning and how mm -hmm. children learned. And um, she, uh, and all, again, this was, uh, you know, the turn of the century really. And at this time, any, any child that didn't function normally was called a defective. And often these children were all put together in like orphanages, institutions, where they were cared for. And she was there with the, uh, the head of one of these institutions and they were observing the children during lunch. And she, was, she saw that the, the children were taking their bread and rolling it into balls. And the head of the, the orphanage said, basically, see, these children are so defective, they don't even understand that this is food that they need to eat. And Montessori said, no, no, these children are so deprived of stimulus that even though they have food in front of them, they're using that to make something to interact with. Mm -hmm. So she had a very, very different perspective on what was going on in, in the brains of children from 
many of the other uh, leaders of her time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so she <clears throat> she developed a whole set. In fact, the sensorial materials that you had in, yeah. in your classroom. Yeah. Those materials were developed specifically to, to work with uh, children that were defective, that had, had special mm -hmm. needs. And they, they, each, they focus each one on, on just one sense at a time to help make the, the sensory input less confusing. And mm -hmm. so that, um, again, that, that, that a, a child that had issues might more easily remediate the, the problems that were going on. But anyway, so after, after creating these materials and working with the defective children for a while, those children began to normalize and, and even surpass what was going on with normal children. And this was just considered a, an amazement and, and, you know, educators and people from around the world came to mm -hmm. see what was going on in this environment. Mm -hmm. And then in, I, I believe it was 1918, I don't remember the exact date, but um, this was the time of the, when the industrial revolution was, was, was happening in, in Italy. And so peasants from the countryside were coming into the cities to work in the factories and they, the, Factory owners had created, you know, basically housing developments where the people could live. But the mom and dad were away working in the factory and there was nobody to watch the kids. And the kids were breaking things and getting into trouble. <laughs> and so they decided they needed to hire somebody to, to basically to, to, to watch the kids. Yeah. And um, this was for Montessori, this was her opportunity yeah. to have a chance to see what. What, what's going on? Because I, I mean, you know, these 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 kids were, you know, just basically running wild, and it wasn't, you know, like, you know, nowadays, would you could you possibly experiment with a group of children? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in 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 her situation, it, she basically had free reign, and so she took over the the job as 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 the head of the school to. Mm -hmm handle these children, the daycare center, whatever they would have called it in Italy at that time, mm -hmm. and uh, began to experiment with what to, what to put in the environment and, and, you know, how to interact with the children and, and how to create a, a, a optimal learning environment. Mm -hmm. And th that's how it began. I mean, in the beginning, all of the the equipment, as you know, as you know, the in a Montessori school, all of the the apparatus is is displayed on shelves that are open to the children, so they're free to choose. Well, it didn't start out that way. All of the the, the materials that she thought would be interesting or educational for the kids were all in a, in a locked cabinet, and the, the uh, teacher would come and and open the the cabinet, and things would be brought out, and one day the cabinet got left open for some reason and she, she saw how the kids were able by being able to choose that that was a, a better situation for them. And that mm -hmm. that's how that whole idea occurred. So it was very much- At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. 
so we're upping the benefits without upping the price. Introducing Magenta Max, now with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, get Netflix on us. Right now, pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 650 bucks only at T-Mobile. Activate up to 4K or video streams at 480p, up to 40 gigs high-speed tethering, $650 via virtual prepaid card, allow 15 days, Simmons support charges waived, receive Netflix standard with two lines. Um, a very scientific, experimental approach to figuring out what would be the optimal situation for learning for children within that specific stage of development. She also probably was the first person who really looked at childhood from a developmental perspective. She was probably the first constructive mm -hmm. developmentalist. And um, she, uh, in her, her theory, she, she looked at the child as going through four different phases of development or planes of development is what she called them. Um, they each one of, of, of six years in, in length, so birth to six, six to 12, 12 to 18, and 18 to 24. She didn't feel that people were, were complete, had, had completed their childhood development until they were 24, which we now are finding is pretty much true. The brain isn't quite done until about that time. So um, anyway, she, she through trial and error, and experience, she developed an entire methodology of education mm -hmm. that we, we now duplicate today. Oh, it's interesting, an interesting backstory of her. Yeah. I didn't know that, I didn't know that either. So even though I went to the school, so it was yeah. very no, cool We, we don't do a whole lot of, I mean, between three and six, we're not too interested in <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was very cool to know. Founder of the methodology, yeah. but yeah. 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 yeah, it was fascinating to know about Maria, Maria Montessori because I didn't know about it. I like researched about her and I was telling Mega too, I think she's an Italian physician. So it's like really insightful because I didn't really I didn't really know anything about Maria Montessori. So moving on. Um, so the next question was um, that I had was what is the difference between um, the Montessori and the public school system, and why do you prefer the Montessori than other schools? Okay. Well, I guess again we were talking the in the Montessori environment. It's 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 a child centered environment. So it's, it's, it's focused on each individual child discovering what their interest is and pursuing their interest. And then the adult acts as the, the servant to the inner child, to the development of the inner child. In, in a typical public school environment, it's adult-centered. The adult has the agenda. The adult has the idea of what they're going to teach. The, the adult stands in the, in, the, in the front of the room. Everybody looks, everybody's in their place and everybody looks at the adult. And the stimulus comes specifically from the adult. So they're, they're, they're totally different one from the other. Mm -hmm. um, the adult has planned exactly what's going to go on, what the lesson plan is for the day. And yeah. they follow that lesson plan and everybody learns everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. In Mon Montessori is, is spontaneous activity in education. So the children spontaneously are stimulated by the environment, which is prepared by the adult. And the environment is a very yeah. rich environment 
when you think of a public school environment, you think of, you know, basically desks mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. whatever is the stimulus is going to come from that adult. In the Montessori environment, it's, it's, it's a room full of multiple shelving units with um, all kinds of uh, challenging and interesting and intriguing pieces of apparatus that yeah. all each each piece of apparatus embodies a concept and through interacting with that piece of apparatus the child will inculcate that concept yeah so it's 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 uh the in in one situation the the energy and the input is coming from one adult in the center of the classroom and in the montessori environment the all the different variety of, of equipment provides yeah. stimulus and then each each child individually interacts with whatever it is that piques their interest at that moment in time mm -hmm. so it's, it's a yeah. very different picture when you walk into a, a, a typical classroom in a, a public school it's going to be quiet except for the sound of the adult speaking yeah. unless they're having a discussion in in a montessori room it's it's much more like a a, a, a like a, a little a little office where everybody's yeah. doing their own they are doing their own work and and there's kind of a underlining hum of of activity but yeah. you know it's it's not particularly loud necessarily but it you mm -hmm. know it's, there's just a a, a real energy energy of activity going yeah on. for sure yeah, I remember, you know, graduating from Montessori in sixth grade and then going to public school. It was like totally different. Public school was very structured. You, you have your own seat. You have your own work. You have one class after another. You couldn't like, you know, choose what to do. Like I remember in sixth grade, I get to choose what subject I want to do today, what work I want to do today. So it's very, very different. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk more about One World Montessori. So One World Montessori has three locations in San Jose. Two of them are primary schools and the other one is first to sixth grade. Um, is there a history behind the name One World Montessori? I always wondered why you chose the name One World. Well, when we when we first started the school, this was started by um, a, group of, a, a group of parents and myself and um, the, the woman her name was Beth Nurney, who had been my assistant. And um, we were all sitting around trying to, we wanted, we wanted to come up with a, a name that would reflect the, um, I mean, because really Montessori's education for peace, because that for, 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 for me, especially that is, is the, the center, the focus, the, the, the nexus of the, the, that everything comes from. It's the idea that, because I mean, Montessori really felt that if, if human beings could fulfill their function and not be blocked in their development, that we would be a, a, a more peaceful species. Mm -hmm. And um, that was part of why she spent her life working with children is because she felt that if we were to have peace we would have to start with the children and basically grown-ups were a lost cause <laughs> and um so that idea that you know the that uh nationalism tends to separate us and so the idea of one world and i can't remember who 
whether anybody actually initially came up with that or if it was something that was just part of the the group focus and the, but that 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 was how we came up with one world is we wanted a uh, a name that would would symbolize that idea of unity within diversity mm -hmm. and and okay. and you know focusing on the idea that we could work towards a more peaceful Mm -hmm. for all of us to live oh okay that's interesting <laughs> um you want to go ahead yeah so the next question was uh why did you decide to start a montessori school rather than work at one and what inspired you to start this montessori school well that's kind of an interesting question in in its in itself um i i actually it was actually because uh I was I was very distressed with the the manner in which the school where I was working uh, was being run. the The focus of the owner of the school, and it was it was an uh, the school. It was actually the several schools that were owned by an individual. They were for profit schools, and um, the. The focus was on the profit as opposed to on the children, mm -hmm. and the fo and and um, we as employees were not treated well either. We didn't have any health insurance. Um, the there were not sufficient materials in the environment, so I I I, I finally couldn't not continue to work for this individual anymore, and so the the parents said, "But we want you." to be our kid's teacher. And I said, well, I don't know anything about running a school. I was, I was uh, 30 at the time. And um, they said, well, you know, we'll help you. And so we, together, we formed a nonprofit corporation and uh, <laughs> off we went. I mean, you know, it was, it was you know, I, the, the, the first year that, that, uh, that One World existed, we, there, there were, Beth and I, and I, we had another assistant named Matt, the three of us in the classroom with, uh, it was just one class of, uh, you know, of, of uh, three to six year olds. So the three of us in the classroom with 36 or something kids. And um, when the phone would ring, the phone was in the closet, I would go, and I go into run into the closet to answer the phone because we didn't even have anybody in the office. And my mother-in-law did the books. So it, it just, it was, it was it, very organic. It, it just started because uh, we all want, we, I, we all wanted to stay together as a group, but we couldn't stay together under the auspices of the person that I was working mm -hmm. with. And so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this uh, school has many cultural events such as United Nations Day, International Peace Day, and Earth Day. I remember United Nations Day was my favorite uh, cultural event. I loved visiting like all the different types of countries, seeing their culture, trying the different foods, dressing up. Um, so do you wanna explain what United Nations Day is for those who don't know and like what's the importance of it? Sure, um, again, Montessori felt that it was through exposure and knowledge that we would be able to 
better get along with one another. You know, that if, if, if we, if you see something that you've never been exposed to before, um, you might feel frightened, alienated, mm -hmm. and those kinds of feelings could create gaps and separations between people that, that, you know, might be responded to in, in, um, violent or threatening ways. And so she felt that exposure at an early age to as much diversity as possible was really important. And so it, it seemed to me that United, the, the whole idea of the United Nations was the idea, you know, sort of fit in with the, the idea of one world, right? And, and so um, I came up with this idea that we would, we would get together and, and we would, you know, the, that, we all, everybody that's in the United States, aside from the, the people that were native to this country, um, came from someplace else. And so that if we could, do, you know, each one of us represent the country and the customs and the costumes and the food of our, the place where our ancestors came from, it, it would show us how from, our, from the, all these diverse places, we can come together and enjoy and understand and accept all of these differences and um, have a good time too. <laughs> and so, we, I mean, it started out just as, as, as a very kind of small thing in the beginning, but um, I, you know, I developed the script, the words that we say and everything. And uh, so it, it becomes a, a celebration of well, in, in a sense, specifically where we are here in the mm -hmm. United States, where we come from so many different places. But anyway, so, so um, what, what our celebration is, is for, oh, I, I think it takes us about two weeks to practice. Um, each child picks a country that they're going to represent, uh, the country from which one of their ancestors mm -hmm. has come. And, and the, their parents help them get a costume. And they learn, uh, we all learn a song from that country. And th then we practice learning all the songs. And we talk about uh, within the script, each, each child has a, has a part to play. They speak about, you know, the, how we all live on one world, what the world is made mm -hmm. of, starting very concretely at that point. And that yet we come from all of these different places. And so the, then we go, we have two large hemispheres that we place outside on the, on the uh, blacktop and artifacts from each of the country or countries are placed on these hemispheres. And then we, we basically travel to each of those countries. The children that mm -hmm. represent the country will come and place a flag on the country on the map. And we sing the song. And after we've, after we've visited all these different countries from then we, we uh, say, and we all have come together in this, this country that we call home, the United States of America. Then we have songs that we sing from that. And then we end with Gandhi's peace prayer mm -hmm. and the idea of us all being able to come together and work together in peace. So that's, that's a kind of the, the, in a nutshell, that's, that's the United yeah. Nations.
birthday celebration. But it's it's because the kids are little, it it, it involves the music and each one having uh, something special to say, the the sensorial experience of all the different beautiful costumes, and then at the end, mm-hmm. we we go into another area and I'll have a a wonderful smorgasbord of of food from all over the world that the so yeah. they have. That also that sensorial experience and the parents are involved as well and mm-hmm. so it, it brings our whole one world family together in in a way that says we honor and enjoy all of our differences and we work together to make a more peaceful mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. and yeah you have we you guys celebrate so many other ones as i said before like international peace day earth day and like these events are not really you know uh uh, celebrated in public schools as much. So what's like the impact and learning experience do you think the celebration provides to the children? Well, I think one of the things that, that um, is difficult in, in, a di- in a diverse community is that we don't have a lot of uh, rites and rituals that we celebrate together. People have a lot of different celebrations that they may do at home but we don't acknowledge those and I always felt that rather than not acknowledging acknowledging things we should be acknowledging everybody's special things and that we needed to create rites and rituals that we could celebrate together that that in a sense bind the year and, and, and give us focus. You start out with International Peace Day, then we have United Nations Day, then usually we have a, a winter celebration, and then the end of the year is, is Earth Day and graduation. So these are our, our rituals that we perform every year that give a rhythm to our to our uh, to a, a, a kind of a cyclical time because again Montessori is a three-year cycle that the kids go through in each classroom and so the, the, this this these give give rituals that give meaning but the one the ones that we specifically focus on are ones that um give importance you know an acknowledgement to things like peace, diversity, uh, caring for the earth, those kinds of things. And be, because the, the, the kids that are there for, for, for three, well, the kids that are there like India who go all the way through sixth grade, they've been through this cycle nine years mm-hmm. and, and during this, this formative period of their life. So these are things that I think I think we can say we're 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 quite sure we 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 hoped in the beginning, but that that we are quite sure that these are things that that are are meaningful for all of our children, and and remain with them. I think that that because of the the drama and the color and all the sensorial aspects of them, they um, they stay with the children. I mean, when I talk to kids who are forty, you know. <laughs> Uh, they say, oh, I, I, I still remember United Nations Day and, yeah. you know, what that, how, how wonderful that was, what a great experience that was. And I think, you know, by having it, 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 it be that big of a deal, it, it mm-hmm. shows 
that the importance that we give those ideas. So even yeah. at a very young age, those things become important. Just as you know, in, in your own families, there are mm -hmm. certain rites and rituals that you perform, and and because people give them that import, mm -hmm. they are important to you. Yeah, and meaningful. And you know, this was our way of of giving import to these kind of big ideas in a way yeah. that it would be meaningful for a young child and would mm -hmm. stay with them as something that would be impactful on their lives. Yeah. Yeah, I I love always um, celebrating these events. I think they're very cool, very fascinating. Yeah, I think it's very important to celebrate these events too, because you know, not a lot of people know what these are and it's important to educate yourself, educate, you know, the different types of cultures and stuff like that yeah yeah I think I was gonna I was gonna add on by saying like I think it's important that schools celebrate these events because as you said Miss Rebecca um, Mrs. Rebecca that you know it's like a way to come together and stay united and yeah so mm -hmm. the next question was uh, how have you noticed children and the school system change through the decades well what I think we've that there are there are several things that have I think have impacted children. Um, probably the 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 largest issue is that kids don't have any downtime anymore, and I think that makes it really hard for them to find their center. I think you really need you really need the opportunity to get bored before you can figure out how to how to really stimulate yourself, right? In in a, in a positive way. And I don't think kids have a chance to do that anymore. Um, when I first started teaching, a majority of the kids had stay-at-home moms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, now every everybody works there's 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 no time for family and then there there are all the special activities like dance and music and you know all those things that that parents feel the need to to offer to their children and so you know kids just don't have downtime anymore and i yeah. think i think that i think that that's that that's a a very sad right sad situation for all of us um and 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 also just that that the, the parents are so so busy and i can't and just i'm sure that the, the whole covid thing uh you know just yeah. impacts this yeah. even more with, with everybody trying to do so much wear so many different hats i think that oftentimes parents are just so so stressed that it, they they it's hard for them to 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 make good choices for their families mm -hmm. yeah um i think that that's probably the 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 largest negative impact that that i've seen over also just the the, the prevalence of, of screens you know with mm -hmm. tvs computers uh telephones but you know i mean <laughs> you know the, the, again, the, the, 
interaction between human beings is 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 really being impacted. We also see a lot more special needs kids. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's, I think that all of these environmental impacts that we have, the, the, the nobody staying at home specifically paying attention to the kids, um, the, the work, the pressures from work, the distractions of, of, of uh, all these devices that we have, all our environmental stressors that increase the prevalence of these potential things. I don't think people are, are, are more disturbed now than they were, but it's just all of these, these factors make the, the, those potential problems manifest. Whereas, you know, if kids had plenty of time with, with parents who were relaxed and taking them out into nature and going on hikes and doing all the, 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 those kinds of behaviors would ameliorate those, that, that situation. Whereas, you know, the, the, the sitting down in front of the TV or the computer while people rush to get something on the table to eat dinner before you have to go to bed. <laughs> You know, it, it it just doesn't do the same thing for the soul. So I would say that those are the kinds of things that I see that have changed mm -hmm. since I first started teaching back in the 70s. Oh, that's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, uh, yeah, so I think this is it. Uh, so uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so um, uh, You're very welcome. I, it's, it's, it's always nice to see my former students too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I really miss, you know, going to One World. My sister's at One World. She's going to graduate this year. I and know. so, yeah, so we put the- Come back and volunteer. Exactly. I always volunteer at my mom's school and it's always so fun, you know, working with the kids. And unfortunately, I couldn't volunteer this year because of the COVID. But yeah, once nobody... it's, yeah, once, it, you know, it's all over, I want to go back and you know, help with help the kids. It's very fun for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as always, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And yeah, thank you so much, Mrs. Rebecca, for coming. I mean, this is like a really good episode to record. And I learned a lot about the Montessori school. And because like, I, I, haven't, I haven't really interviewed anyone this big, you know, that's like works in the Montessori school and the founder and stuff like that. So this was really um, fun for me to record. And I got, I got to learn more about it. And yeah, um, we hope you guys uh, had a great time. And if you haven't already, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the love. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't. If you want more video type content, special guests will be aired on YouTube and other clubs will be on other broadcasting platforms. Visit our website, megaversion.com and email us at megaversion2020 at gmail.com if you have any questions. Yeah, so thank you so much again. Thank you so much for joining. Okay, goodbye yeah. girls. <laughs> have a great day, everyone. It's me, Varsha. And Mega signing off. Wendy's has got a new sandwich on the menu, and its name is the Crispy Panko Fish Sandwich. Wild-caught Alaskan Pollock layered with flaky crispy panko, dill tartar sauce, and cheese. It's definitely a catch for your taste buds. Limited time only at participating Wendy's. News, laws, and regulations are changing by the day. We get it. 
And at ADP, we're here to help guide you with up-to-the-minute compliance expertise so you can pay your people accurately and on time, regardless of what each new day may bring. Learn more at ADP.com.